This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. We talk all things Las Vegas Raiders football. If this is the first time you listened, thank you. And welcome to Raider Nation. Make sure you do us a favor, though. Make sure you go to download the podcast wherever you get your podcast. You can do that as well. Make sure we can uh, be heard on the Odyssey app. We can be heard on Apple. You name it. Wherever you get it, you can find Silver and Black today. So do us a favor. Go sign up. Get the auto downloads. That way, every time there's a new show, boom, it's right there on your device. And you don't have to worry about it. Silver and Black today. Anywhere you get your podcast. Mo Moten, Scott Branson. He is the national NFL writer for Bleacher Report. Also a Raiders columnist for sportsnot.com, of course, sportsnot.com, where you can read all things Las Vegas Raiders, including my stocks up and stocks down column, which you can catch tomorrow on Wednesday up on Sportsnot as well. Follow Mo on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at L-V Gully. Okay, Mo, we spent a lot of time over the last week criticizing, and I thought with, with, with good reason, Josh McDaniels, the coaching staff of the Raiders, where they were. And you established, I thought, a great uh, uh, kind of beachhead on that battle when mm-hmm. you said, hey, sometimes when you're the smartest guy in the room, you outsmart yourself. We thought that weeks one through three with the trick plays and some of the other things we saw them doing in the heavy pass rotation, that Josh McDaniels might be a little too smart for his own good. He comes out against the Broncos, for the most part, sands the onside kick, which we'll talk about later, um, <laughs> keeps it a little bit simple and maybe just kind of listen to reason around, hey, you know, I got this great running back room. I have a great passing game. Let's do, use them in unison. 72 total plays in the game, Mo. 38 rush, 34 pass, uh, less tricks, uh, more treats, running the ball, a little more Gruden-esque, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. and and the Raiders worked. They had used two tight end sets more. It was just a little closer to what I expected the year to start out with. Right. And we, I think we all expected a little more balance and we didn't get it. And you saw the results, but I think Josh McDaniels, I don't want to say simplified the game plan, but I think he understood that. Look, we're going up against a tough 
pass defense, we're going up against a tough pass rush period. Why not neutralize it by running the football with Josh Jacobs and using that aggression against the Denver Broncos? And I think it worked to their favor. This all goes to game planning and knowing what your opponent's weaknesses and strengths are. So coming out when he said, oh, we wanted to establish the run, I said, okay, then he understands what the Broncos' weakness is, and he went after it early. And as we've talked about in the first segment, Josh Jacobs has a career day, and you're and you're seeing positive results. So kudos to Josh McDaniels and that coaching staff for having the scouting report and looking at the strengths and weaknesses, and then going after those weaknesses right out of the gate. Well, and they they attacked. There was a lot of talk uh, over the course of the week about that Broncos defense. Right, it's a stout defense. It does pretty well. Mm-hmm. And they went right at it. They did not show any fear of any part of that defense. And I thought that made an early statement. You know, there's there's the 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 play calling which makes a statement, and then there's that that idea of of the mental side of the game. And I thought that the Raiders came out and they said, Okay, Broncos, you're you're two and one. It's you know, it's a fluffy two and one, but you're two and one. And we're 0-3, but it doesn't matter because we're gonna come out. We're we got our knives, we got our pipes, we got our brass knuckles, we're ready for a street fight. And I thought that played really well because, to me, it seemed like even though Denver got off to the fast offensive start, uh, it seemed to me like Denver was not expecting the Raiders to kind of hit them that hard. Right, and I had a back and forth with someone on Twitter before the Raiders-Broncos game, and he said, you know, oh, Mo, you're you're fuffing it up, saying the Raiders aren't terrible and they're they're inefficient. It's a terrible football (laughs) team, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay. The 0-3 Raiders and the 2-1 Bears, who would you pick to win the game with a million dollars on the line? And I guarantee you most people would say the 0-3 Raiders. I know the record is what it is and says who you are as a team win-loss-wise, but mm-hmm. let's not get it twisted. All three, all 0-3s and 2-1s aren't, you know, it's not black and white. You know, it depends on who you play. So by saying this, what I'm saying is that when you look at the Broncos' defense and you said they were a fluffy two and one look at who they beat the houston texans and i believe who who did they who did they um oh the four the 49ers by one 49ers. point yes and and that was jimmy garoppolo's first uh full start i know he played against the Seahawks, but his first start so not exactly two offensive heavy you know offensive led teams uh the texans still haven't won a game yet We'll see uh, the 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is very limited. We all know the 49ers are a defensive team pretty much. If they didn't have a top defense, that, that team isn't making the Super Bowl that year against the Chiefs. But anyway, my point is that the Raiders tested the Broncos' d- defense more than any other team that they played. Uh, as we said, the, the Raiders had the top 10 scoring defense coming into that game. I know Patrick Sertain, is, too, is pretty good. I understand mm-hmm. Randy Gregory before he got hurt, pretty good football player. Brett, Bradley Chubb, they had those guys. But the Reds were able to test that run defense, which allowed 4.4 yards per carry, which ranked 16th in the league. A lot of people like to look at the surface stats. Oh, they're top five in this, they're top three in that. But and when you when you dig into the numbers and you dig a little deeper and you see that they allow 4.4 yards per carry and that Josh Jacobs is averaging 4.6 yards per carry going into that game, you understand why now Josh Jacobs now averages 4.8 yards and had a big day against the Broncos because they had a weak spot. When you have a team that's a good pass rushing team, the one thing you want to do is run the ball because, the ball. again, it neutralizes the pass rush. Absolutely. No question. And that was something that, uh, from a game planning perspective, you know, I, I still saw a lot of people talk about how bad the coaching was in this game. And I thought, well, nobody's perfect. And was there some questionable call? I mean, again, 
The onside kick. I don't understand the onside kick. I still don't. He explained it in the press conference. We wanted to surprise him. I think it's another example of trying to outsmart the room. But, hey, it, it didn't didn't kill him. It might have hurt him, but it, it was one of those things where I think people are, were angry about it at the time and still are. I have a theory about the onside kick. To okay. me, the onside kick says to me that the Raiders did not respect the Broncos' offense. So oh. basically, if the Broncos recovered, which they did, the Raiders weren't expecting the Broncos to, to score quickly on them. Because look at what the Broncos' offense has been before that Raider game. Mm, that Broncos' offense point. has struggled. Now, they're not going to do that against the Chiefs. <laughs> Don't expect an onside kick against the Chiefs. I hope who not. Could, who could score in flurries. That's not going to happen. But when you play a team with a bad offense, you're going to try stuff like that because you're not afraid of their offense burning you on a quick 10-second drive for a score. So while I didn't like it, I understood why they did it. Josh McDaniels is not going to get on the mic and disrespect the Broncos and say, yeah, well, their offense sucks. So we, <laughs> we, we just tried an onside kick there. He's not going to say that. But you know from what the Broncos, how they performed, that the Raiders basically didn't respect the Broncos' offensive attack. No question. And I thought, too, Mo, one of the things I want to touch on here was we saw and remember when Murph was on the postgame show after the Tennessee game live from Nissan Stadium, he said that one of the things that bothered the fans that were sitting right there behind the team was sort of this lack of fire, this lack of urgency, that there was no there was no, nothing the players were doing that seemed to be excitement generated. Right. Now, you come out in this game, you see, I think, increased urgency. You see increased fire in both the head coach and the players. You even saw Derek Carr, John, and some guys when they apparently didn't do what they were supposed to. So you look at that, and then you look at the focus. Yes, four penalties, only 25 yards, though, okay, which they kept the yardage down, and four penalties in Raider Nation is huge, uh, is, is very low. Uh, no turnovers except for the one Darren Waller drop, not a lot of miscues either. This team just seemed to finally be more like they were in the preseason, which was focused, disciplined, uh, and that certainly played a part as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I know there were some mistakes along the way. Uh, they let up some points here and there, some blown coverages, but I think this is their most complete game that they've played. And of course, obviously they won it, but I would say from start to finish, they were pretty dialed in on what the game plan was. They made adjustments and were able, again, to hold the, the Denver Broncos to just seven points in the second half of the game, which was on, I believe, a Russell Wilson rush for a touchdown late. So I think they did overall did a pretty good job, played clean football. Uh, Jermaine Illuminar got on Twitter after the game, and he basically apologized for that false start that he had that set the Raiders back on a drive, which has been... The, the shot that's been in the Raiders' foot for the last few weeks is just the, the untimely penalties. Uh, that one was very early in the game. And again, Luminar was replaced in the second half by Mumford. But again, overall, I think they played a pretty clean game. You just want to see that again against the Chiefs next Monday. Yeah, they have to. If they, if they don't, they will be run quickly out of the building because the Chiefs are scoring points in bunches and they can score fast, uh, even without Tyreek Hill, as we saw against uh, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Uh, Mo, the, before we go to the break on the second segment, the defense, I talked about early, the defense seemed to not be ready for snaps. And Russell Wilson, to his credit, was very quick to the line, snapped the ball and got off a couple big plays because of it. Uh, Patrick Graham's defense, we talked how it's getting better. We're seeing progress. And that's the one thing I keep telling Raider fans. 
look for progress. You're not going to go from 0-3 to a Super Bowl team in a week. Okay? It's not going to happen. But And everything's not perfect. But you have to look for progression. What do you think was causing that? Do you think there's still that communications issue that we saw in previous weeks? Because the defense, even missing some guys, I thought did better, but they, they just they have not been able to do the four-quarter thing. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And this, this goes back to, I guess this goes back to the last uh, game and a half. When you have a veteran middle linebacker who's out there, who's on it, and I'm not, you know, this is not a shot at Divine Diablo, but when you have a guy who's been in the league for several years and has seen it all and knows how to make the switches and coverage changes and alignment switches, your defense is going to run a lot smoother than with a younger player who, who's less, who's just less experienced. That is what it is. Um, one thing I would suggest, maybe Jayon Brown get the radio because he is mm. more, he's, is a more experienced linebacker than D- Divine Diablo is. Maybe you give the radio to Deron Harmon, who's been a playmaker. Deron mm-hmm. Harmon's a guy I talked up in the offseason, by the way. He's been the playmaker on the backside of that defense, and he's got the experience. And I think along with a, a middle linebacker, a safety can also be the quarterback of your defense because they can see the entire field. They're they're back there, so they can see what's going on and make the adjustments. And if you have a heady, smart, a high IQ safety like Deron Harmon, he can make those calls back there. So I think maybe you, you experiment with who's making the calls and getting guys in and out of the lineup. Great point. And, and I, you know, overall, I just think Josh McDaniels showed growth. He showed progress. I still think there's some work to be done there. But this is what you wanted to see, right? Every, all the people who wanted him fired after week three, which was ridiculous. But, oh, but, but need, needless to say, you, if he would have come out and done the same thing he did in week three, we'd be in a different place. But instead, I'm sure he listened to his coaches. And maybe Mark Davis's post-game talk last week also had a little bit to do with that. Just, hey, guys, here's the expectation. You're not meeting the expectation. You need to go back to the drawing board and look at what you're not doing. And it appears that's what they've done. Now, we'll have to see what they do against Kansas City because this is going to be a coaching challenge. It's not only a physical talent issue on the field between these two teams, but it's also going to be a coaching challenge. You're going up against one of the best in Andy Reid, and Josh McDaniels is going to have to really pull something out of that bag for the Raiders to go in to Kansas City and upset the Chiefs. But that will come in a conversation on Thursday. We're going to take a break here. When we come back on Silver and Black today, we're going to talk about some of the lingering issues. We tried to stay mostly positive, all the great things we saw. But what is still going on that needs to be addressed with this team as they head into Kansas City and to Arrowhead, which has been a house of horrors for them for the most part, 2-10 and over their last 12 in Kansas City, Missouri. So we'll have to check that out. And we will discuss that when we come back. You're with Mo and Scott here on Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast.